Today's episode is sponsored by Globally Paid. Globally Paid is a service that integrates payment acceptance into any software to help businesses scale faster and without friction. Globally Paid handles credit card processing, fraud protection, payouts, dispute alerts, and chargeback management. And Global Plate is all about great relationships, global payments, custom tech. Everything begins and flows with compliance. For more information, visit globallypaid.com. Hello, I'm Tony, and welcome to the Tony Shap Show. Well, welcome back, everybody. Today, I'm super honored to have Alan with us. Uh, I'm going to give you, if, for those of you that have been living under a rock, you don't know who he is, you're about to find out. There's very few of you that probably don't know who Alan is, but it gives me true honor and pleasure to introduce you to Alan. Alan, take a second to say hello to our guest. I'm happy to be here, Tony. Hello, everyone, and thank you for inviting me. Excellent. Great to have you. So I do rapid 10 with Tony, top 10 with Tony. I do like a rapid fire. Uh, and then top 10 questions. And then, you know, as we start, we might go and go down a rabbit hole as well. But there's a lot of founders, consultants, CEOs, investors, and, uh, you know, people in the business community and leaders that are listening to this. So I think I'm really excited for them to learn more about you, who you are, and all that good stuff. So let's get right into it. I always start with the one word opens. What's the one word that you could use to describe how you're feeling right now, Alan? Optimistic. Optimistic. Love it. And let's just get right into um, how you started in your business and, uh, you know, where you started from. I love your story, where you started from, where you are today, and where you're going. If you could share that with our audience so we could be on the same page with you. Well, I was fired in 1985. I was uh, asked to come up to Rhode Island to be CEO of a consulting firm, Behavioral Consulting. Uh, and the owner was W. Clement Stone, the financier. Uh, and uh, he, was, he was a brilliant guy in terms of starting an insurance company, combined insurance, but he he thought that everything was about positive mental attitude. And I told him that he had his ideology reversed. That is, he had $450 million, which gave him a positive mental attitude. Uh, he didn't have $450 million because he had a positive mental attitude to begin with. And if he gave everybody $450 million, everyone would have a positive mental attitude. Well, he fired me. And uh, so I found myself you know, fired with a poor severance and a lot of debts. Uh, and I said to myself, among at the time 250,000 independent consultants in the U.S., well, what, do I, what are my strengths? And the key is you build on strengths. You don't try to correct weaknesses. I could write and I could speak. So I wrote and spoke, wrote and spoke for free at first. Today, I'm still writing and speaking, but not for free. And uh, I determined uh, two important things. This is a relationship business, and I would never charge by a time unit. I would only charge by value. Uh, and here I am. Beautiful. Uh, I think about that all the time when you talk about how, uh, you know, give someone $450 million and you shouldn't see who, their positive mental attitude. It's so true. So give true. me one. Yeah. <laughs> That's really great. So let's talk about um, recent wins. I'd like to have you share with us a recent W, I call it, or win that you've had that's close and dear to your heart and what you learn from it. Um, that way our audience could, you know, learn from uh, you know, one of your recent wins that you received. God, there have been so many. I mean, I have four books coming out next year and two more proposals out, but I'll tell you something different. Uh, I have a consulting assignment right now. I, I don't do organizational consulting very often anymore. 
maybe 10% of the time, but I have one in Russia. And uh, we started a couple of months ago, uh, it's sort of organizational redesign and, and so on. But it came because someone a year ago went to my million dollar consulting college from Russia. Uh, and we stayed in contact because he gets my communications, he gets my newsletters, my podcasts, my videos. And so when this need came up in his company, he thought of me and he said, would you be willing to do this, you know, remotely and help us with this project? And I said, of course I would. And, and the, the really salutary thing about this, and the thing I think important for everyone listening right now, is that you need to maintain relationships because a brand is how people think about you when you're not around. And you build your brand by providing constant value for people. They might not access it, they might, but it's there. You know, you're in the public square. Uh, and so he came to me with this. And you know, you only need a couple of people doing that a year to have great success. So that's, that's the one that comes to my mind, Tony. Wonderful. Man, I couldn't think about, speaking of value, I listened to your podcast, Uncomfortable Truth. I love it. <clears throat> and you give a lot of value there. And sometimes it's kind of scary, the, the topic, the subject matters that you speak to and uh, you, you share with us. I'm like, oh my God, he's inside my head and he's articulating it. So I appreciate your podcast as well. For those of you who don't know his podcast, please check it out. It's The Uncomfortable Truth. Um, and I'll put it in the show notes for everybody as well. So moving right along, I want to talk about failures. <clears throat> They're not failures if you don't, you know, if you learn from something, if you learn from a mistake, it's not really a failure, but it's called a failure. So we all, you know, some of us, uh, ha you know, it takes two times to learn from a failure, but some of us learn right away, you know, all that good stuff. But I wanted to ask you, Alan, for audience to know, uh, what's a recent failure that you've had and what did you learn from it? I haven't had any recent failures. Uh, you know, I mean, I've had, I have had a book proposal that wasn't accepted, but that's not really a failure. It comes with the turf, you know. Uh, I haven't had any recent failures. I've had things that didn't go as well as I thought. Uh, I think if I look at a failure that I've had, uh, from the time I was fired, I didn't collect enough names. And even though it was pre-technology that we have today, uh, I should have been more assiduous in writing names down and keeping in contact with people. I, I was so uh, eager to put bread on the table. I wasn't thinking of the fourth sale first, which is one of my credos today. And so I should have collected a lot more names and provided a lot more value to a lot more people on a constant basis. I finally got you know, clued in later. But um, you know what you said before is true. It's not about failure, it's about resiliency. And so if you walk into a, a buyer's office, I mean, I've never walked out of a buyer's office poorer than when I went in. No buyer ever took money from me, you know? And there's no lever where they pull and you go through a trap door like in a cartoon. So if you walk out of a buyer's office, you don't get the business, that's a learning opportunity. So life's about resilience more than wins and failures. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. It's like running a marathon too, right? Uh, I know one of the biggest things I've learned and other leaders share is, uh, you know, you got to have patience. And as an entrepreneur, I never had patience. It took a long, it took, a, it was costly for me to learn that. Well, you know, look, there's something else about that that you just said, and that is that you don't have to win the marathon to be successful. You might just want to beat your previous time or you just might want to finish it. And the fact is success has a range and it's a rheostat, it's not an on and off switch. And so you have to allow yourself to be successful in a range and not only look for perfection, not only look to win above all else. That's beautiful. You know, that kind of reminds me, I don't know if it was one of your books, but it was something related to you and someone was using it, using it as a, 
as a context. They were saying, and we used Marathon as an example. He had a certain time. Oh no, it was um, yeah. He was. We were, we were talking one on one. It was about you, and uh, he talked about coaching. And uh, he basically said that he was running a marathon. And matter of fact, he couldn't get better time. He would complete it, which was awesome for him. But he he as soon as he hired a coach, he was able to beat his own record because he was racing himself. So we talked about your coaching because you offer coaching for people and all that good stuff. The coach, you know, a coach could definitely take you to the next level. So wanted to share that with people as well. Uh, I know you do some coaching up here, here and there. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. I'll put that in show notes as well. Let's talk about expenses, Alan. So if you could share with our audience, what is your number one expense? What that is? I don't need the amount. I just need, if you want to share with us, what is your number one expense today that you have as a business? I was going to say my number one expense is my lifestyle. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I, I told somebody the other day, if I didn't make another penny from right now, I am good with my reserves until about next Thursday, you know, so it's no problem. Uh, I think the, the biggest expense in my business is time. Uh, you know, 90% um, of everything I make in the revenue line goes down to the profit line. I don't have overhead. I'm sitting here in my office at home. Uh, I've never had an external office. I've never had a staff member ever. So, uh, you know, and, um, it, you know, it, it, this doesn't cost that much. So uh, I don't have big business expenses. Now, I used to, when pre-pandemic, when I traveled, my biggest expense was airplane tickets because I travel first class. I stay in suites. Limos pick me up. I lead a good life. Uh, and I don't charge that to the client. You know, I subsidize because I've been successful. Uh, so, you know, I would have a six-figure monthly American Express bill at times. My American Express bill last month was $1,200. And so times have changed. Absolutely. If you don't mind sharing with us um, what your wife said to you, this is a really great story and it really resonated with me. And I bring this up a lot with a lot of consultants, uh, of um, CEOs who have exited. And I talked to them one-on-one -on -one before uh, I press record. We talk about a lot of deep things. Uh, so I talked to uh, CEOs that have a business or consultants that have a business and looking to expand their office and ones that just exited and then they're starting something new and they're all focused about the office, office, office. All they could talk about is a bigger office. And I'm like, you only have, you know, 50 people. Why do you need an office for 150? So I love what your wife told you when you first started off about your office. So when I was fired, I said to my wife, let's look for office space. And she said, why do you need an office? It's because I'm on my own. And she said, you're going to go see people. People aren't going to come to see you. You're a consultant. I said, well, I guess so. She said, I'll tell you what, don't get an office now, work out of home. If it turns out you need one, then we'll get one. I said, okay. And so um, after about 20 years, uh, my kids had gone through private school in grammar school, secondary school and college, both of them, private schools all the way. And it cost me $450,000 in total. And I estimated that that's what the office would have cost me over that time frame, with uh, rental and appliances and uh, a repair and a virtual or no, a temporary assistant and so forth. And so not having the office paid for my kids total education. That's beautiful. Um, let's move right along to your, uh, your favorite online business tool, Alan. If you could share with us, what is your number one online business tool that you use every single day? What would that, what is that for you? It's alansforums.com. And I have a forum that's operating 24 seven, 365. As you and I are speaking, there are people on Alan's forums talking to each other about ethics and fees and marketing and uh, uh, role playing and so forth and so on. 
Uh, and as they're doing that, the value accrues to me because they'd never know each other without me. So my community, my global community is partly in person as I go places and do things, you know, and it's also partly virtual. So while I do use social media and I do blog, I have a public blog and a private blog, you know, my, my, my website is alanweiss.com. This online forum I have, Alan, uh, alansforums.com, that's the primary uh, electronic digital tool that I have. Excellent. And uh, as we're hitting our, uh, we've hit our stride, but we're also coming to an end here. Um, tell us, you know, what's the one question that you wish, you know, when you're out there doing keynotes, uh, when you're doing public speaking, uh, you know, you have, you're holding the webinar and the Q&A starts and people start rapid firing questions one-on-one. -on -one. What's that one question, Alan, that you wish people would ask you and, but nobody asks you in business context? Uh, they need to ask me, um, uh, what's the critical issue for me, for themselves, uh, in trying to clarify their lives? And the answer to that question is, they need to stop searching for meaning, which is heresy, and they need to begin creating meaning. People are in this fruitless search. They use the wrong people's metrics. They use other people's metrics. You have to create your own metrics and your own meaning in life, and you have to do that now. Uh, my next book, which is coming out early next year, is called Legacy, and it's about how to create meaning and stop searching for it. It's like a, a, somebody who owns a business and decides they want to sell it, and at that point tries to improve its valuation. You don't do that. You improve the valuation every day until such time comes as you sell it. The same thing with your meaning and legacy. And my metaphor, Tony, is that every day there's a page written in our book. And so the question is, is it a blank page? Is it the same page as yesterday? Is someone else writing the page? Because I find that some people are observers of their own lives. That is really powerful. Thank you very much for sharing that with us. I can't think of anyone else that answered that question their own <laughs> like that. So perfect. And here we are at the close, sadly, but let's wrap it up with a one word close. What's that one word that you could use to describe how you're feeling now, Alan? Energized. Energized. Love it. Well, there you have it, folks. Alan, I'm so honored uh, to have you. Thank you very much for your time. And I know you gave us a lot of great value. And I'll put your website address and how people get a connection with, to connect with you online and the show notes. And uh, looking forward to having you on here again when you release your new book so we can tell everybody about it as well. Okay. Take care. Thanks, Tony. Great being here. Thank you. Of course. And there you go. I hope you enjoyed it and great to have you. And thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe and stay tuned for the next episode. Till next time, onwards and upwards. <laughs>